You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. The Podcast of Terror is a show with adult themes, run by adults, for adults. Please do not have your children listen to this show. It might be beneficial to them in the long run, but please, please wait until they are older. This is one of those things. It's like when you laugh when you're playing bingo and and 069 comes up and you have a chuckle and your mom, your kitty says, uh, uh, Mommy, Mommy, why, why are you laughing at 069? And the mommy says, uh, when you're older. It's one of those kinds of things. Mommy, Mommy, can I listen to Podcast of Terror? Sure. When you're older. This is a show with adult themes and some childish behavior. A lot of dick jokes. Uh, so please, please, please. Uh, if you want to avoid the swearing, if you want to avoid spoilers for your favorite horror movies, and if you want to avoid really, really lame, petty dick jokes, do not listen to this show. It is not for you. Corey, how often do you wear a shirt? Not as often as you would think. Yeah, it's always nice to cover up your nipples, and maybe your neighbors are complaining because they're hairy. I know you they, like they, wear, you wear shirts when it, we do these shows. That's about it, from what I understand. It's more that I just give off a glare that blinds drivers by. It is hot in California, so I assume that you sweat. There's a there's a slight sheen to you, and the California sun just. Pshh, I don't even sheen. I estevez. <laughs> that that is, if you do not want to estevez in public, we have two places in which you can go. We got two coupon codes to make your life a little cheaper. Uh, you can go visit a uh, frequent guest and friend of the show, Matt Vincent. His his website thehate.com. That's the hviii.com use the coupon code hbg15 for 50 percent off your order maybe you hate him i don't know he's he's kind of a likable guy but if you hate him and you want to go spend your money somewhere else we got this other place go to statusfearmerch.com uh, another uh, sponsor of the show friend of the show he does all our artwork he's a really nice guy he does all the, the art for my band except for the stuff that Corey's wife draws head over to statusfearmerch.com use the coupon code terror get you a little nice discount there Welcome to episode 116 of the Podcast Terror production of the Galactic Network. I'm your host, Matt Stein. With me, as always, is uh, Corey... I don't know. Corey Scott. <laughs> no one knows Corey Scott. I got nothing. Um, I'm going to try and get into this really quick instead of fucking around. This week, we have... Uh, he's actually your a really host, nice guy. Matt Stein. With me, as always, is uh, Corey... Shocker. I don't know. Something Everybody up to this point, complete assholes. This guy's really yeah. nice. We finally found a good one. Uh, Rich Ragsdale, he's the director of the movie we're going to be talking about a little later called Ghost House. Um, if you were here last week, we had Russell on. Russell's in Ghost House. See how this works out? Now we have Rich. And I was talking to him earlier. I looked at his IMDb page. I got a little intimidated. So I'm like, you just you talk about it. Rich, talk about you. Talk about me? Yeah, talk about you. <laughs> I don't know what there is to say. I'm just a southern boy who uh, moved out to California to make horror movies. So, and fuck, just so it appears you've you, you've done Eight Legged Freaks, which is a movie I'd heard about. Yeah, a lot. I did some. I I wrote a bunch of metal music for that movie. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh no, not just for that movie. You've worked on a ton of stuff, like the rerun show. Which I was a big fan of. Uh, Good morning, Miami. Yes. Uh, uh, like, there's so many things that, as I go down the list of stuff that you've done, you worked on Will and Grace. Uh, a lot of the stuff, yes, music, King of Queens, like things that people would go, holy crap, you know that that's a huge body of work 
of, of well-known stuff to be associated with. And then you parlay it into uh, directing and writing, which is awesome. Shucks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and well, I mean, I went to music school. You know, I, I came out to California to be a composer. So, uh, and, uh, you know, I ended up working on a bunch of like sitcoms and, and doing video games and the occasional movie and stuff. And uh, the thing about working in television, especially when I first started, was that you would get your summers off. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that you would have the summer hiatus. Uh, and, uh, so my brother and I started kind of screwing around and making experimental films just kind of for fun. And one of them went on and won a bunch of awards and, you know, it was like a little creep, creepy little thing. And I was like, you know, it's actually a lot more fun than composing for sitcoms. So we started, you know, he and I started production company. And ever since we, like I said, we've been doing a bunch of music videos and we produced a bunch of features and like now I directed ghost house and, you know, it's been a weird career, but it's been fun. So Yeah, right before you showed up, Corey, he was like, yeah, I've been doing a couple of music videos. Have you ever heard of the band Chevelle? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was looking through the list of, of the music videos and stuff. I'm like, Matt's going to know all of these bands. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we You know, I, I have a very dark aesthetic, so a lot of times we get, like, uh, heavy metal bands want us to do their videos. Um. So, I mean, it's cool. I, I grew up listening to a lot of metal, so it was, you know, it's always fun. I know a couple of people who listen to this who may or may not be bands on Prosthetic Records, so if you need a music video, I know a guy. I'm sorry, say that again? I, have, I, I lost. A couple of buddies, uh, are, their bands are on Prosthetic Records. So I'm like, if you oh, need nice. a music video, I know a guy. Yeah, I know. Okay, yeah, that's... <laughs> We, we we do a lot of them. I love, I mean, you know, musicians are my people, so it's it's fun to do them. You know, they, I, we speak the same language, so. You're much nicer I think it's than funny. most musicians I've met, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like most musicians I know are pretty cool. I'm just know. kidding. They're, I, they're all sweethearts. Most of the musicians Matt knows are in his band. Uh, <laughs> kind of how no, it works, funny. man. You got to California to become a composer. What's, I'm sorry, I, 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 I was you came out of to California to become a composer. I was a music major in Michigan and I left Michigan to come to California to uh skip finals. So it didn't work out as well for me. <laughs> hey man, you know, whatever works. Yeah. You were gonna ask a question and then Corey kept cutting you off. I was gonna ask what kind of music your band does. Oh, it's heavier music. Uh Not- akin to old the chariot and Norma Jean. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, so yeah. If you're familiar. Most people are like, I've never heard of those bands. I'm like, then you won't like it. Well, I know Norma Jean. I, I, I don't know the Chariot. So the first Norma Jean album, the singer left <laughs> to start the Chariot. Oh, okay, cool. So it's a lot of the same music, a little more chaotic. Yeah. Nice. Hey, nothing wrong with a little chaos. Yeah, you'll have to, I can shamelessly send you that stuff too. Please. Isn't that's what we're all here for, right? Just to, to plug that's our side projects. Fun. Yeah, I have no side project. <laughs> I'll be my music is akin to Striper and Debbie Gibson. Striper. <laughs> oh man, wrong with that. Sorry, Deborah Gibson. Mm. Deborah Gibson. Oh, Debbie Pinson. That's a Simpsons reference. Um, let's see here, Corey. I see you're drinking Lipton iced tea. We forgot to do what you drinking last week, so we have to do it this week. 
lifting iced tea. We didn't forget. You forget that we did it, but did you we definitely really do it. About, yeah, oh, yeah, you definitely. Boy. It's becoming a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, we didn't forget it last week. I forgot we did it last week. So, so Corey, what, what are you drinking this week? I'm I'm still drinking lived and iced tea. I'm a very simple man. My needs are small. Shocker, Rich. Uh, I know you mentioned you're not a big drinker, but. What you drinking? I, I just finished a glass of water. So, so you know, you're in I, California, though, right? I, yeah, I'm in California. Isn't there like bans on drinking tap water there? Or <laughs> water in general? No, no. California, we sell our raw water now. Yeah. Well, we, we were we were in a serious the throes of serious drought, but I think that uh, we're we're coming out the other side now. Okay. So. All right. We we let the yellow mellow as long as we could. Sweet Jesus. Well, I'm glad you guys have water to drink, and you're not going to die. That's a good thing. <laughs> and so, we'll see what, what, are you again. <laughs> what was that? And what are you drinking, Matt? Oh, I have. Uh, it's pink. This one's pink. It's Nuglaris Cranbic. It's a cranberry lambic. And then uh, when that's gone, because we all know how much I like to drink, I got a vanilla wafer porter. Ooh. Yeah, so I can be fat and drunk. <laughs> yeah, it's from a brewery called Mobcraft in, in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, all right, Rich, we have to talk about literally everything you do because that's why you're here. Okay. Yes, sir. Um, I kind of want to focus on Ghost House, though, obviously, since that's what we Please, watch. Uh, yeah. Um, well. It is so okay. So I ha- I have to stay, and we're going to start at the end of the movie. I really appreciate the fact that you sent over the featurette to us about how you made the Ghost World. Yeah, because just watching it, I was like, "Oh, that's cool!" Like some shit, but to like see a ten-minute explanation of how you made, like, how you came up with the idea, and then how you made the animatronic, and you started it on fire, and like the shit that you shot in your quote-unquote magical garage, which <laughs> yeah. might also be a sex dungeon. I'm not sure. I'm not here to judge. Um, that really made it a, a little more real, I guess. Like it just seems so much cooler. So I, I want to tip yeah. my hat to you on that one. Well, thanks. I mean, the the thing is, you know, Ghost House is we 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 uh, endeavored to make a very like big feeling, big looking movie, but it's a very low budget movie, uh, and you know, so that's why I like sharing stuff like that because you know, we we had to kind of scrimp and come up with a lot of kind of idea like cool ideas to sort of make the movie feel bigger and hopefully more exciting, you know, more interesting. Uh, so, and, you know, we worked really hard on it. And so, like you say, I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think it, uh, you know, I, I, I'd like pe- to show people cause I think they, they find it interesting and like, you know, it shows sort of what goes into making like a low budget movie. And, you know, we love practical effects. And so we wanted to kind of honor that, sort of tradition in horror films too so yeah and for, i mean for being what you say low budget it doesn't feel low budget at all no i was gonna say the last last week and this week uh, last week we did uh who's watching oliver uh both of them i believe take place in thailand correct yeah yeah and we're filmed there and just are strikingly beautiful just to look at the 
I don't know what's going on over there if there's something in the the film development, but everything just looks really amazing. Uh, so when you say low budget film, when you say independent film, it just doesn't feel like that in comparison to what you imagine an independent film to be like here in the States. It it just it looks like it's at another level. Well, I mean, you know, that was part of it was a there was a conscious decision to shoot in Thailand. You know, we actually came up with the ideas for the film. My brother and I, when we had gone over to Thailand, you know, it's actually some of it's sort of based on some things that happened to us while we were in Thailand. So that's um, where the kernel of the, the idea of like the ghost house graveyard and all that stuff came from. Uh, but, you know, it's a beautiful country and it's big and there's lots of really interesting texture and you can kind of point the camera anywhere and it looks cool. Um, and then, you know, like I said, we do a lot of music videos. So I think we we have a team of guys that we work with all the time and we've sort of developed a shorthand language for how to, you know, maximize our production value. So, you know, we, we worked hard on it, you know, to, to make it not feel like, um, you know, a low budget. Cause like in America, if you have a small budget, you know, the conventional wisdom is you go out into the woods, you find a cabin, you shoot everything in one location and you, you know, you, you save money by not moving around. And, you know, we did the opposite. We got to Thailand. We, we, we changed locations almost every day. It's a lot cheaper to shoot in Thailand. So that helps, you know? Yeah. We have a friend, uh, PJ Starks who did the volumes of blood films and the, the first one all takes place in this, uh, local library. And what they did is they did these individual stories that were all, like people who hadn't worked in film before got to work on it with it and kind of develop the stories that went into it. But it, it's interesting to see how using the same location for four different stories and then a surrounding thing around it, um, how they were able to utilize that. But that to me is small budget independent film. You know, what, what you guys accomplished is very, very different from that. I mean, I appreciate it. You know, I mean, like I said, we endeavor to make as big a feeling. I mean, the problem is like we still have all the problems that low budget films have. Like, you know, we don't there's no money to do reshoots. And, you know, you have a very tight schedule and you have to shoot a lot of stuff very quickly. And and, you know, so you're kind of when, when your production value makes your movie look that big, you know, you're judged on this kind of uh, like big Hollywood movie uh, uh sort of uh, metric by that by this you know even though you're really creating a movie w with the same resources that of the like the movies you're talking about so and i feel like generally like horror fans kind of give low budget movies they, they judge them on a different uh there's a different sort of criteria and so we, we're kind of in this weird middle area where you know uh we have some of the same problems that low budget films have when we're making it we had some of the same problems but you know we ended up with this thing that looks a little bigger than you would expect. I don't know. Does that make sense? What I just said? No, absolutely. I assume. Okay. How, how do you, how do you entice some of the, the people to be in the movie? Um, I mean, Scott Taylor, Tom Compton, uh, Mark Boone Jr. They're people who have pretty big experience already under their belts. So how do you get them involved in something like this? Well, we, you know, we met Scout, met with Scout like very early in the process. We have a um, casting director who's a friend of ours and she was helping us cast the film. 
And Scout was, I think, the first person on our wish list. And she knew Scout. She, We went and met our casting director in a cafe. And she's like, oh, Scout, I know her. And just called her on the phone. And we set up a meeting with Scout. And we just got along great. And Scout had been to Thailand before. She loves Thailand. So she was really into it. And, and uh, I mean, Scout is awesome. I mean, she's such a talented actress. We were really lucky that she agreed to do the movie. And Boone, we've known for a long time. I mean, he's in kind of our circle of friends, you know, just somebody we, we uh, know through friends and have worked with in the past. And so, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that hard to convince Boone to, to come out. Um, and then James, who played the lead, we cast him at the very last minute. We'd actually had someone else cast in the lead and it didn't work out. And we needed to replace uh, the other actor with somebody. And we called a bunch of our friends. I was already in Thailand scouting locations and a number of people recommended James. And he'd just done a film called Get the Girl with Scout. And Scout liked him. So it was like, cool let's 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 hire this guy and and you know james is doing really well he was just on stranger things and he's in um westworld he was on the taken show yeah so he's he's on his star is definitely on the rise yeah just got lucky with our talent they're like cool people willing to do the project you know just realized there was a taken tv show yeah i think they're gonna do a season two so uh yeah yeah, it comes uh, Friday, March second. Yeah. So well, on on the subject of of Boone, then, and the fact that you've got a good relationship with him, I really want to see a continuation of the story of Reno. Nice. Like I, I feel like there's more to that character. That's like a John Constantine type of guy who who's sort of the Mister Fix It for supernatural stuff, uh, maybe in that area or whatever. But he just seemed very interesting, and there's something really rich that you can mine with him uh that i don't think got overplayed in this in this story yeah and you know i mean when you spend some time in thailand there are these these like sort of middle-aged or slightly older like white guys that move there from either from europe or america you know hang out in and brothels and get drunk and you know live a debaucherous life uh on the cheap and so that's kind of what inspired the character of reno you know is that he would be like one of those guys but he's in the underworld so he knows all about all this dark mystical stuff you know it's it's interesting yeah we've 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 talked about sort of trying to continue the idea of of ghost house in thailand and and like you know keep maybe like boone and gogo's character alive you know well, I mean, they're, uh, <clears throat> at the end of it, there's clearly, it's kind of left open for another one. So is there always an idea for a second one, or is that just kind of something you do, where you just leave it open-ended in case? Well, we, we do have, we have a couple of different ideas. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, we, we've been, we've, we, we, we've had a couple of different ideas in our back pocket, and we're just sort of hoping that the movie does well enough that it justifies, you know, continuing the story. Mm-hmm. How have, uh, how's reception been on it? I'm not well, going to lie. I heard know, about this movie last weekend. So Okay. Well, you know, it depends on who you ask, you know, of course. But, like, in Southeast Asia, 
we did incredibly well. I mean, we opened theatrically in Thailand and we were like the number two country uh, movie in the country when it opened. Nice. We opened like number one, I think in Vietnam and number three in Malaysia. And we, we showed theatrically in Turkey and, uh, and, uh, uh you know, some other countries too, in, all throughout that region of the world. Actually, right now we're in theaters in Egypt, and we've been in the first two weeks. We were in the top ten movies there, so it's a small market, but still, you know, we beat Steven Spielberg's The Post. So that's fucking awesome. <laughs> the only time I'll ever do that, but you know, hey, uh, take it when you no, can, no, we, man. Yeah, internationally, we've we've had uh, for the most part like a lot of success. In the states, it's been a much smaller. We made a much smaller splash, you know. We had one of those little like mini theatrical things and they did the VOD uh, release with like a DVD. And then we just came out on Netflix in January. And I mean, nowadays that's where everybody usually sees their low budget horror movies. So mm-hmm. uh, or, for the most not part, so got- low budget. I mean, it, after the Super Bowl on Sunday, how many people jumped over to Netflix to watch the new Cloverfield? It, it's it's kind of it, it's it's replacing going to the theater for a lot of this stuff, which is both good and bad. I think that there's an experience of going to the movie theater to see films, but then the idea of you've got all this entertainment right there. And my wife watches horror movies from, from the moment she gets up to when she goes to bed at night, other than when I come in and I interrupt to watch Jeopardy. Uh, So (laughs) that is her whole day. Uh, She just sits there and draws gross stuff and watches horror movies and Nice. Like, th- there's nothing better than having all this stuff available on Netflix or uh, any of the different services that are out there right now, like Shutter and stuff. Yeah. I'm my kind of girl, you know. <laughs> I will die soon. So, I mean, there's a lineup for who gets her next. <laughs> if but... you need a dick drawn, Aaron is your girl. Nice. Oh, is that her artwork on the wall behind you? Uh, that is an old painting of hers that I don't even know if she she realizes I took. Um, but it, it's in no way representative of the stuff that she's doing now, sadly. Um, she's just, just gone to a whole other thing. She started doing zine work and stuff. And so it's she did a, her own zine. Uh, the second issue just came out uh, called Let the Meat Cock, uh, which is all all female artists drawing uh, renditions of penises in some way or another. And um, and then. Beyond that, she's been featured in a lot of other stuff. But yeah, her, her stuff is is weird. She's done a t-shirt for Matt's band, too. Nice. Yep. I was like, hey, uh, please do this, but with 100% less dick. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no upside down crosses or penises, please. She delivered. Everyone loves the shirt, so. Great. Well, uh, maybe you could send me a link to some of her stuff. I'd love to check it out. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I don't even um, know where we left off in the conversation when we started talking yeah. about dicks. Something with dicks, yeah. It happens. We were, I guess time. we were talking about the reception and stuff, but uh, it was, you know, like internationally, yeah, we, we the movie was very big. And, and characters like Gogo were hugely popular. He, Michael. Gogo is great. Uh-huh. I like, really liked it. Gogo stole the movie. Yeah. He's he's based on a real guy. There's a guy in Thailand uh, that we know. He he drives a van and he's a super cool guy. And his he, his name is Gogo. So we uh, oh, fuck yeah. We named the character after Gogo. And uh, 
but uh, yeah, my, it, in in uh, in Thailand and the surrounding countries, I mean, they just they went crazy for go go. So, huh. yeah, I I can see why. I, it, same sort of thing is that there's you you see go go show up and he's just a guy driving a van who meets him at the airport and and just wants to to get his fare for the the time that they're there as long as he can. But when you you start to peel back the layers and you find out more about his family and how he's got ideas as to what to do in the situation of the the ghost house possession and everything like there's a there's a depth to these secondary characters that make them feel as as important as the two characters in the main story and i i think that that's that's really cool because otherwise they could just be throwaways like i i joked with matt and i said you know gogo is is like short round but short round was incredibly important to the Indiana Jones movie that he was in. You know, you you felt yeah. an attachment for that character the whole way across. He wasn't just somebody who was like Indy's partner for five minutes and gets killed. It's like he was key to that whole thing. And Gogo is as key to this as Julian Jim are. It, it's funny. One of the early reviews of Ghost House. That's what they they were like. They they, they said that uh, Gogo was like short ground grew up. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, which is awesome. Yeah. Be that kid. Awesome. I mean, like, you know, again, you're getting, you know, lumped in with Indiana Jones. You should, you know, you, you, you feel pretty good about your movie sometimes, you know? Oh yeah. So at what point do you realize like you have to make another one of these? Like, I don't know how movies work. So I hope this isn't a stupid question, but it's like you clearly, you could do an origin story of the ghost. You could do an origin story of Reno. You could do a sequel to ghost house as a whole. Cause clearly there's could be more. So you're talking about how you have to find out if, if there's a demand. So it, clearly yeah. you did very well everywhere and decent enough to get on Netflix, which can't be an easy task. You at least have to have, it's not like you have 90 minutes of like a uh, hot dog turd in in like uh, in blowing in the wind and Netflix is like fuck yeah we're going to we're going to do this we're going to do this Matt hasn't realized that they're on the fourth season of Fuller House but yeah, yeah. I, I get what you're going for yeah yeah i mean well there are a few reviews that sort of compared us to a, like a hot steaming pile of dog shit but you know that's okay we call those people idiots yeah <laughs> just saying that's what yeah, I mean. We we happen to be idiots who sometimes review horror movies and not always in the nicest way. So yeah, critic, critics suck, yes. uh, and we suck just as much as anybody else. Yep. Um, but at the end of the day, you made a piece of art yep. that you know you you put all the effort into. You got funded. You got production. You got distribution. You've shown in places. You've gotten picked up to to be on Netflix in America, but you've won awards in other places piss all over people like us because that's right. not what we're doing oh no i mean and like look i mean you know I, I i can be just as much an asshole about other people's movies as people can be about ours you know it's like everybody's got an opinion and you know we live in a time where you can pretty much read everybody's opinion everywhere you go but as far as making a sequel or continuing the story in some some way i mean we would love to do it we're just kind of again it's just a bit of a waiting game it won't be that much longer until we sort of start see, you know getting producers reports and seeing like how the movie did and and then we'll start exploring the uh potential of you know expanding teasing this out expanding it into something bigger uh we did hear sort of through the grapevine that the company that released it in thailand uh, were very happy with 
with how it performs. So they might maybe, you know, maybe we would take it to them and, and see if they wanted to, you know, fund a sequel or, you know, whatever they wanted to do, you know, I mean, just ex we'll explore, uh, all our options, uh, in very soon, I think, you know, would that color the, the story possibilities? Would, would you lean towards something like if you were thinking about doing something with Reno that didn't necessarily take place in Thailand at first, but then you get the funding from them, would you alter plans or is that where your plan was to begin with? Uh, well, we would definitely, you know, I would love to return to Thailand or, you know, the surrounding territories to uh, make another movie. I mean, it's, it's just it's just, you know, it's like more fun. It's like an adventure. You know, you go out and you're shooting out in the jungle and you have an elephant and you're shooting in these villages with all these little Thai kids that are like hilarious and cool. And it's, you know, and, and you're like I would say probably 85% of our crew were Thai people and the food is so much better. And it's just like, everything is great. You, you know, it's incredibly hard work, but at the same time, it's, it's really like an adventure and it's kind of, you know, it's more fun than like, Hey, let's drive up to Burbank and make a movie in, you know, you know, here in LA. Um, so we would, regardless of where the funding came from, we would definitely want to shoot, you know, over there. Uh, Good. you know, but say if it is like a Reno backstory kind of origin story kind of thing, I mean, if we had to start here, then we would start here and then take it over to Thailand, you know, couldn't you um, in theory though, just shoot it in Thailand and say, this is America. Well, you could, you could, it would be a little difficult, you know, I mean, it would be easier to do that, say like in Europe or something, you know, yeah. uh, and then, you know, because you always, everybody always shoots movies like over in like Romania or someplace. And they, you know, wonder why half the locals have these weird thick accents. But, you know. <laughs> Touche. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, the, we would like to keep it, you know, exotic if we could, international. Well, I feel like we have to at least put forward uh, the the hope that you would somehow involve uh russell again <laughs> oh yeah well russell's awesome i mean we cast him in thailand you know because we could only afford to bring so many people over with us so we we brought all our principals you know james and scout and boone and uh and you know like just sort of the key our key crew members you know our our my my dp and a script supervisor costume designer and uh the guy that did all the prosthetic makeup appliances and stuff. So we brought probably a dozen people over to Thailand. Everybody else was a local hire. So that, like all our crew, like our sound people and all of that stuff were local. And then we had to, you know, cast, you know, uh, like R Russell and Rich's parts there. There are a lot of, you know, Europeans that live in, in uh, Thailand. So it wasn't that difficult, but we got real lucky with Russell. And Gogo too. We cast him over there, uh, Michael. Uh, so we got we got very lucky with him. A lot of guys came in to read for Gogo, who had this great look, but their accents were so thick they could barely you could barely understand what they were saying. So then Michael came in. Uh, he can actually speak. You know, he he was, he's half Thai, half Canadian. So he grew up in in Canada. So he speaks English without an accent when he needs to. You know.
Yeah, he was great. So, I mean, it, we talked about the Go-Go character, but Michael playing him really is what sold us on it. Yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. Very likable guy. So. Is it uh, now? If I remember correctly, Russell told us that he was originally supposed to have an American accent in that movie. No, originally it was written for Australians. We had written for uh, the the part was written because you know there are a lot of Australians come to Thailand because they're very close to Australia. But uh, yeah. oh, and because Australians are criminals. Not kidding. Hey, yeah, whoa. yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> you know so uh, but. Uh, we, you know, we met Russell and I think Rich was a friend of Russell's, uh, the guy that plays his cohort in the film. So yeah, but Russell's great. And he's, he's, you know, I, I, I've stayed in touch with Russell a lot. You know, we, 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 uh, we, we still talk quite a bit. Um, yeah, he, he talks about this movie as like, he, he loved the experience. He felt bad about his own contribution to it. He mm-hmm. he said that he learned a lot about acting, uh, not just after this movie, but because of this movie, because of being inspired by the people that he worked with on it and stuff. That he went back and he trained more, um, but he he just seemed so excited to have been a part of this, uh, and and that made it, it. It's it's kind of hard to separate when you know somebody who's in the movie. It's hard to separate that person out from from just like enjoying the film as the film itself because you look and you're like oh yeah there's a that's a guy we like you know and you just kind of you root for him but i do like that uh his character and um and uh what was rich yep rich yeah that they're not terrible people like they there's a circumstance as to why they're doing something so awful but it's 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 because of the circumstance. It's not that they're themselves awful. And, and it, it kind of, it's not the we're leading out in the woods to die because we, we take pleasure in that. It's like, we have to do this. And I, I like that. Yeah. It's like an act of desperation. Uh, and you know, yeah, I mean, Russell and I have talked about that a lot. I mean, he, he's very self-conscious about his performance in the movie. He doesn't, but you know, we think he did a great job. You know, we're very happy with his performance and, and, uh, you know, we never really receive any complaints. Uh, so, uh, you know, but, and, but I, I do get that, you know, he was very inspired by, especially I think James, James is like very method, really intense in his, you know, it, it his like, uh, approach to acting is it's like very like old school method, and and scout sort of the opposite i mean she's just like this she's like so talented she just turns it on like a like a faucet and and then you know like you're getting ready to shoot this big scary scene she's just like goofing around like flirting with the dp or something and you call action and she's just like screaming and freaking out and then you just cut and she's just back to like kind of flitting around and having fun so she can just that's like, amazing yeah it's, it's it's i really actually never really seen anything like it she's a complete natural Hmm. so uh, so now you and you said you and your brother co-wrote this too well we came up with the idea uh after visiting thailand for a couple my brother's wife is thai and they had a kid and we went over to thailand and um we had a a bunch of kind of like crazy experiences we've been there before but 
you know, this was the longest we had, this particular trip, we were there for a long time and uh, we experienced a lot of cool stuff and crazy stuff. And we came back here and sort of filtered that stuff through the idea of like turning it all into a film. And uh, we're just like, this would be a great movie and just chased it down. We, we ended up working with a couple of writers to help us really shape the script, but we came up with the big beats and the, the basic shape of things, you know? So is the so is the concept of like the Thai ghost house is that like an urban legend over there or where did that come from? There, ghost houses or sometimes people call them like spirit houses. They're everywhere in Thailand. I mean, you don't go anywhere and not see them. I mean, they're outside of banks. Everybody has one outside of their house. I mean, like basically bar none. You know, I mean, just anywhere you go, there are these like spirit houses, ghost houses, whatever. They, people leave these little offerings in them. And uh, they're not generally considered like a scary thing, although they're very sacred. You wouldn't mess with them. But it, there's this idea that if a bad spirit gets in one, it can be quite bad. So you have and then you have to get the monks out and all this kind of stuff. So we thought that was a pretty interesting idea. It had never really been featured in a Western horror film as far as we could tell. And, you know, the the kind of basic conceit of going out to this ghost house graveyard came from uh, my girlfriend had come with me and she had really bad jet lag when we had first gotten there. And I was trying to get her up and, you know, get her moving so we could get her on schedule. And I took her for a walk out in this uh, jungle near where we were staying. And we came across this place where all the locals had just dumped all their old ghost houses. They're all these like old broken ghost houses and we're like taking pictures and poking around just like in the movie, you know, uh, although we weren't there with a couple of sinister British guys, but, you know, <laughs> like taking stuff out of these old broken ghost houses. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, uh, this is a really bad idea, but, you know, it might be a good idea for a movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it was, we, we actually had Gogo was the guy that had been driving us around. And we asked him, we were like, hey, if we went back there, could we go and take one of those home with us and he was just like no way not my van <laughs> you know <so. laughs> you're looking out for you see that's another thing too is that uh recently there was a youtube star who got in trouble for uh being seen as very disrespectful in another country well, and, and he also showed a dead body on youtube well, that's... yeah that's what i mean I'm, I'm trying to to be diplomatic about what i'm saying uh yeah but like i remember <sighs> 20 something years ago when the guy got caned when the American was getting caned because he did something. And and then I think they did a Simpsons episode about it. But when, when you're in another country, that's always my worry is that because cultures are different, because things that we kind of take for granted here that they don't fly like that someplace else. Do you have any kind of, worry about are, are we doing something disrespectful uh are we doing something that's going to get us in trouble with the authorities that kind of thing when you're doing an independent film i can't imagine that you have the same luxury of the lawyers and stuff that you'd have on a hollywood movie sure so oh, what happened well oh i'm sorry I, I mean, uh, well that's just it you were saying like you you thought about taking some of that stuff back not not meaning you were looking at it as doing something disrespectful but just it looked like stuff that people just got rid of and you know if i'm out on the street and someone has tossed an old dollhouse 
And and my expectation is, well, they got rid of it, so it's probably okay okay for me to just take it if I want to take it home and do something with it. Um, which sounds really weird to say, but yeah. <laughs> but in this case, there's obviously there's something deeper to that for their culture that sure. you being outside of their culture wouldn't have known. And that's sort of what the whole crux of the movie is. Yeah. Well, I mean, so yes, and you know, the thing is, like we. We love Thailand and, and, you know, like part of our family is Thai at this point. Uh, so we don't want to do anything that is like, uh, in, you know, unintentionally disrespectful or anything. And, and so when we went to make the film, I mean, one of the things is you have to get permission to make the film in Thailand. You have to send the script to the, you know, the, like a cultural, they, they actually translate it into Thai and there's a sort of cultural attache or something that they run all this stuff by. And then they decide if, you, you know, and there, there are certain very strict rules, like you can't show any pictures of the king. The king is a very beloved figure over there and you can't show Buddha in a certain way. And, and all these the, these very specific rules, you know, um, and, you know, our script was approved. And then on top of that, I would say about 80 percent of our crew was Thai, uh, you know, and matter of fact, I had an A.D., who was Thai and he was the best AD I ever had. I mean, he was really great and he, but he was Frank, you know, if we ever had anything that seemed like not right, you know, that could be offensive or what, you know, he would tell me straight up. So I feel like, you know, there are a lot of Americans, I think that, or not a lot, but th there's some Americans that'll probably look at our film and be like, Oh, this is, I don't know, cultural appropriation or whatever, or just uh, insensitive. But, you know, the movie was a was a big hit over there. I mean, it was it, it, the Thai people are not offended by the film. And we tried to be as respectful as we could. I mean, really, the idea is like when, when you're in Thailand, you see a lot of a tourists they're just like assholes. You know, they just it's embarrassing to see, you know, these like, you know, uh, kind of like white college kids just you know, getting drunk and, 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 you know, and so that's kind of part of our, I mean, really the, to, uh, you know, the, the Americans are the ones who are the, the, you know, the, the foreigners are the ones that are kind of doing all the fucked up stuff. And the Thai people are, we feel like for the most part, all, you know, benevolent figures. Yeah. I'm an American sports figure, so it's going to be okay for me to steal this stuff from your shop and, you know, yeah. no one will say anything yeah. to me because look who I am. And it's like, no, you're nobody, you know, yeah. and, and hell, even if you were very, very important, you're still an asshole. And we've got laws for a reason. So why do you think it's OK to break them? Totally. I mean, well, when you're watching the film, did you feel like it was disrespectful at all? No, no, I, I didn't no. feel like the what anything you guys did was disrespectful. It. My thought is just. What if I accidentally do something that because I don't recognize their culture, I'm not as immersed into it, that it it causes a situation to be and 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 not with malice, but just out of ignorance? Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's a, it's a legitimate concern and something we were worried about. And, uh, you know, but like I said, I mean, we work very closely with our Thai crew. Actually, I mean, there are even things in the movie that we added because they you know they suggested i mean them were designing the ghost uh i was already in thailand location scouting and uh the guy that was building all the prosthetics would send me pictures and i would send him back notes and stuff and 
uh, and they did their first makeup test with the, with the ghost on, on our actress. And I showed it to my Thai crew and they were like, cool. But they were like, you should give her really long fingernails. And I was like, well, why is that? And they're like, well, back in the old days when someone died, they would leave the body out for people to come, you know, from far away relatives to come and, uh, you know, mourn the person before they buried them or cremated them or whatever. And, uh, so even though they were dead, their fingernails would continue to grow so that in, in, in the legends, all these, all the ghosts have long fingernails because the bodies would sort of lay and, uh, lay around for a while before they, you know, interred them. So we were like, that's a cool detail. We'll keep it. And we put it in and it, it also makes for like kind of an iconic thing, you know? Yeah. No, and that that's the other thing too is that your your ghost was very iconic. Like at 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 this point in time when we're starting to recognize more and more characters in movies that are the the uh the antagonists, the the spirits or whatever, uh things like the conjuring and Annabelle and stuff is that your your ghost stood out, had a very strong significant look that as you're watching it, every time she appeared, it, you kind of hungered for those moments. You waited for those moments to happen. Uh, you anticipated them and you wanted to see that uh, more and more. And I think it it was cool how it wasn't utilized a lot until the end. And the end was like really up the ante of everything that you were kind of anticipating throughout the movie. Cool. I mean, I'm glad you guys think so. We, we tried. <laughs> that was... <laughs> That was definitely the goal was to make a, you know, to have a cool, I mean, you know, like my brother and I, we grew up watching horror movies. And so, you know, you know, the, the, the monster or the ghost or whoever, they're always the most interesting character. It's like, you know, with the exception of like Jimmy Lee Curtis or something, you don't tend to remember who the hero was, you know, but you remember Jason, you remember Freddie, you know, uh, you remember Chucky or whoever it is, you know, you, you always remember the, the bad guys. So you want to have somebody that's memorable, you know? So people people remember the final girl, but you yeah. build a franchise around the Freddy Krueger. This is true. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, it's like the villains. I mean, you know, historically, I mean, villains are just more interesting than good guys. Good guys are less complicated, and you know, mm -hmm. you know, the bad guys get all the good lines or get all the the they the cool co costumes or whatever, you know. Well, you're also if you're going to see a horror movie, you're going to see the kills, and then the killer is the one who's going to be yeah. in all the most interesting parts of that movie. So I have a somewhat off-topic question that sure. came up by me uh, creeping on your Facebook page. <laughs> How was Helvet? What's that? How was uh, going to Helvet in Oslo? Oh. Uh, that was awesome. I mean, it's also a very painful uh, thing for me because this project, we've been trying to develop a sort of Lords of Chaos style project for a long time. And uh, that was really the movie I, I really wanted to make. And we just couldn't get any traction with it. We had some some legal issues and stuff. And uh, it got sort of abandoned. And in my heart, I always wanted to make the Norwegian black metal movie. And uh, Jonas Ackerlund just filmed it. It just came out at Sundance this year. And, uh, you know, so I'm very excited to see it. But I'm a little sad because I really wanted to make a movie about that. 
Uh, if you're listening and you're not sure, so Helvet was a record store that's guitar player from Mayhem. Yeah, Euronymous. Yeah, yeah, he opened. Player. And uh, I recently found out that he wanted it to be so dark in there that you had to browse records by torchlight. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, what? That's not a fucking terrible idea or anything. You're going to burn the goddamn place down. But um, So now that it's reopened, is it like normal in there or is it still weird and dark? Well, actually, the place where Helvet was is now a, uh, like, sort of a cafe. Oh. And it's called, it's called Our Daily Bread. Uh, you know, it's kind of ironic, you know, because uh, it has this sort of biblical sounding kind of, <laughs> you know. But there is a uh, a black metal uh, themed record store called Nosebleed Records in um, in in Oslo now, and you can go there and they have like a bunch of the old Mayhem cassette tapes and stuff in a glass case on the wall, and you know. I never understood it's- Mayhem as a band. Like it's just it's not good to me. <laughs> well, so for, for me the story is not so much about the music but it's about the scene and holy and fucking shit i'm like halfway through not even halfway through uh last podcast on the left did a norwegian black metal series mm. so i i just kind of started listening to that i mean i knew a guy who was like just thought mayhem was the fucking kitties titties and he would play it and i'm like what yeah. I, I don't think most people listen to Mayhem because they're like a great band. You know, I think it's more, it, you know, they're, they're interested in the the mythology behind the band, yeah. you know. The story is intense. I didn't realize, like, oh. their hatred for Napalm Death and some of the American thrash metal bands because they're not oh. real metal. and. Well, I mean, there were the, like, like what you know, this is all pre-internet, but before, mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, you, you know, they would like in, in zines and stuff, they would flame each other, just like like the Swedish metal bands and the Norwegian bands and stuff. They just they would just like, you know, threaten to kill each other and yeah. badmouth each other. You know, it was or like was, Debbie Gibson and Tiffany. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She'll not. Yeah. Thanks, Corey. Uh, <laughs> We're talking about mayhem and Debbie Gibson. Yeah. Mayhem, that's what, that's what Debbie Gibson. Like. Anyway, but I, uh, you know, it's such a great story. I mean, it's like Shakespearean, and it's like kind of scope that that mm-hmm. story. Uh, so I'm, I'm real curious to see the movie. I'm a little jealous. I've always wanted to go over there. I haven't made it over there. Yeah, Corey, let's go. You and me, mandate. Yes, I I should definitely go to another country and watch you fun over bands that I've never heard of and drink to a super where you forget who I am and sell me for more beer money. You already know how it's going to pan out. So I don't have to convince you. Absolutely do. (laughs) I don't have to talk. If you you don't think that I haven't mailed letters to three different uh, news reporters waiting for the day when I wind up missing. (laughs) Well, the what well, the Norwegians can drink too, man. I mean, they they they're very uh, they're very like serious people until they drink, and then they're incredibly affectionate, you know. <laughs> Someday. Yeah, yeah. That's it's, how he'll sell me is because different. of the affection. Yeah. <laughs> you could buy the chubby one. He's good to cuddle <laughs> with. Not not yeah. my first time being auctioned off, actually. Oh jeez. Oh, 
We're going to oh, get boy. into some dark times in Corey's life if we keep this up. And it sounds like uh, like you guys' relationship might make a decent film, too. So <laughs> we, uh, we actually have only met once. Yeah. <laughs> we've. I went to San Francisco back in uh, May for work, June, June for work, and that's the one time we met. We were together for like two hours. Nice. Yeah, I didn't kill him. Yeah. He didn't kill me. Too many witnesses. That's yeah. true. <laughs> Met in a nice, brightly lit public place. With uh, lots yeah, of we went down on the wharf, so there's there's a lot of people around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of people going down on the wharf, actually. Hey, oh, um, what else? What else do you do? There's so many things that you do. It's really hard to pick one to talk to you about, or you have done. What do you What do you have coming up? Well, outside of hopefully another ghost house. Well, uh, my brother and I are working on a couple of different projects. They're in very nascent stages, so it's a little tough to talk about them. But I did a short film for Fox, actually, that was uh, part of a uh, uh, a series of short films they're producing. And, and uh, I, I did it last year, and, and not much happened. And I just got an email from them. They, they, they said, something exciting is going to happen, and well, we're going to tell you in March. So... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the blue balls, Fox. Things, but it, it it turned out pretty well. It's a it's a fun little short film, and I saw some of the other ones, and they're they're pretty good. Actually, some of them they aired around Halloween as like commercials for M and M's on American Horror Story. Uh, three of them, and they produced I think like twenty or fifteen or something. I, I did one of them. So, damn. Uh, that's actually really awesome. Is it, yeah. Now I you have a reason to like watch like commercials that. on Fox. What's that? So now I have a reason to watch commercials on Fox. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll let you know what they uh, what they say. You know. Please, so, yeah. But, please uh, do. But yeah, so I'm I'm you know, I just got that news yesterday actually that that there's something, you know, uh, mysterious that's going to happen and they're going to at least announce announce in March. So. Uh, but that you know that, and I'm up for a couple music videos. We'll see if I get them. But uh, uh, you know, and then like I said, my brother and I were developing uh, actually a series idea too. So you know, like we we met today with a writer, and we're working on that. So what is your the f- holy shit? You did a sword video? Oh yeah, <laughs> so, I, did a video. I was going to ask oh, you what your favorite uh, music video that you've worked on was. Well, the, my favorite one, as far as how it turned out, was probably I did one for uh, Sean Lennon and Charlotte Kemp Mull's band called "The Ghost of a Sabertoothed Tiger." Uh, Sean Lennon being like uh, John Lennon's kid, obviously, and and it, the the video is called "Animals." It's it, and uh, it's I, I, I shot it on thirty five, and it's very psychedelic and sixties and weird and drugged out, but the sword video was fun to do because I I, lo- I really liked the sword before you know i got the gig they sent the song and i was like i must get this gig so <laughs> so i i, I do i like i like all that doom stuff like that and the sword are, are oh, very- fuck. i got a a buddy of mine's in a doom metal band well it's it's blackened doom. doom so it's like super slow and then three minutes of blast beats in a nine minute song nice so uh i don't like doom metal I actually got a couple friends in two metal bands. I'll I'll send you all the shit when we're done. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, just to I, I just like to show guy. again the difference between Matt's taste in music and my taste in music, 
Sean Lennon, I, I was really into this band that he was in for a brief time called Chiba Mato. Oh, yeah. They just broke up. And I've oh, never heard of them. They were great. Yeah. They, I mean, they were on his label, so uh, Chimera Records. So, uh, Well, I just did an animated music video for his girlfriend is Charlotte Kemp Mull, and, and uh, she's a really talented musician, and I did a a music video for her new band called Uni, like the sushi, like U N I. And it's actually, it's all hand-drawn animation. So, uh, so if it's it, all hand-drawn, how do you come into this? I, I drew it. Oh, you drew it. Okay. Wow. I, didn't, I didn't know you could yeah. draw too. I don't, I don't mean to like short sell your abilities. I didn't, holy shit, man. Rich is a goddamn I, Renaissance man. Well, it's the, like, you know, and and if you're not watching this, you cannot see the terrific beard he's donning either. <laughs> I'm working on it a while. I'm I'm falling in love over here. So play your cards right, and we will continue to live thousands of miles apart. Which is just basically he'll sell you as soon as he has the opportunity. <laughs> you want to you want to go to Sweden so I can sell you? I'm hey man, that's what I'm here for. Uh, he's a team but, player. Yeah, uh, the the uni video is uh, is. Um, it's all hand-drawn animation. It's done very much in like in a, a 1970s kind of like almost like if Schoolhouse Rock went really, really wrong, you know. Is that video uh, out already? Yeah, it's out. It's on YouTube. It just came out like a, maybe a month or two ago. If you look, it's called Mushroom Cloud is the name of the song. And Uni is the band. And, uh, you know, it's it's got an animated Donald Trump fucking a missile and, you know, dancing. Can you tell that from the real one? Oh my God! So clearly, I think we're all in the same thought pro- pattern here on our current president. Oh, there he is. Yeah, I so, imagine so. Yeah, so this weekend, because I love my my wife, once a year I go help her and her rabbit rescue at a rabbit ex an animal expo in Milwaukee. That's where I got stuck. There, it was three o'clock in the afternoon, and a drunk lady walks up to me and sets her beer down. And jokingly, I was like, "Nah, you didn't have to do that. Like, thanks for the beer." but I'm, I'm working here and she's like ah oh, whatever you look thirsty fast forward and she goes you know what i like to do i like to pop popcorn and watch the news because donald trump is the best president ever and everything he does is awesome and i looked at her and i said or he's a douchebag <laughs> and she just stared at me and she goes you goddamn millennials and i'm like yes yes and i said just whatever lady i'm like go home if you're trashed at a pet expo, you got to get your fucking life together. <laughs> hey, there's dicks, dick missiles. Uh, I'm probably I'm probably related to her, so it's a <sighs> man. She's a <sighs> please don't be related. Like not to even her. not even a semblance of of just showing some some decor of. Well, you were so kind to bring me the beer. Uh, let me let me just say. Yeah, our opinions might differ. No, he's a douchebag. Well, you know what? <laughs> at that point, at that point, so this 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 pet expo is a very long weekend. Uh, <laughs> it entails me leaving work early. Uh, it is me and two five foot tall women. So I have to do all the tall person stuff and all the heavy lifting. So by three o'clock, I'm fucking tired. The last thing I want to do is lie to some little old lady who's drunk when I want to be drunk <laughs> about our president. Uh, yeah. <laughs> This is a fucking Not great yet. video. Sorry, I'm watching Donald Trump ride a missile while his face is being peeled back. I gotta send this to Jack. 
A friend of ours who's the host of a Simpsons podcast likes to call Donald Trump a cunt on their show a lot. And he hasn't oh, been well. uh, arrested yet. So he's got that going nice. for him. At, well, you know, one of, I, one of the drawings in this looks like the Lou Reed character, Mock, from Rock and Roll. Have you ever seen that movie? I have seen that movie. Uh, it may not be a total coincidence. Uh, oh, man. One way or um, I, I, you know, like, I, I, I'm a big fan of 1970s, like, animation, like, heavy metal and the Pink Floyd, the wall movie and, uh, all Ralph Bakshi stuff, you know, like Fritz, the cat and heavy traffic and all that. So how do you feel about cool world? Uh, I, we don't talk about cool world, but, uh, one of my best friends is an artist. Uh, we, we've done comic stuff together. He's, he's a much more prolific comic person than I am, but, uh, cool world is his favorite movie. He loves all, loves all the Bosch, but he, he recognizes the cool world's awful. Yeah, but he's he totally loves it because it was probably, you know, in the age of when he saw it mm-hmm. was was a huge deal. And it's like me and Xanadu, like Xanadu is my favorite movie. Uh, <laughs> I don't care, but it's <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm, man, I'm all for it. Well, you know, like I used to one of my first jobs out of high school was working at a video store and we had uh, uh, heavy traffic, uh, Ralph Bakshi's movie from you know like in the, i guess the early 70s or something i used i just stole the tape and took it home and i i used to watch that movie like on a loop almost I, for me it's his best film you know but uh i don't know but you know, i look i mean there's things to love in cool world i suppose you know just not the actual movie it it, it always amazed me that kim bassinger is a better actress animated than she is as a human being, like the, the total change in, in how she acted as soon as they stopped drawing her and she showed up on the actual screen. It's like, wow, she just got terrible really, really fast. Yeah. Yes. You know, I mean, it's, it's a different, just, just not, I mean, I want to love the movie because I, I, I of course, actually, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm not as big a fan of like his fantasy movies, like his Lord of the Rings movie and stuff. It's it's all okay, but I, I like the grittier Fritz the Cat kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, Fritz was good. Yeah, or but, his I mean, his Mighty Mouse. Yeah, Mighty Mouse. You know, he was he's great though. I actually, uh, you know, I, I I sent him I sent him the Uni video on uh, via Facebook so he could see it. You know, well, that's yeah. awesome. I'm a fan, you know, and I mean, it's like heavily inspired, probably more by him than anybody else. So, I mean, all, you know, like Schoolhouse Rock and all that really bad, like Saturday morning, 70s stuff, you know, but, uh, you know, Pink Floyd, the wall and all that stuff, but him in particular. So I sent it to him and he sent me a nice email back. You know, he was, you know, he said a lot of nice things. So I was, oh, I was that is of, so great. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's so dark. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, when I was a kid, I drew obsessively. So, and I still do just, uh, like a hobby and Charlotte, uh, from Uni, uh, she's seen my drawings and stuff. We've worked together on a couple of different projects and, and she was just, I think she was even maybe kidding. She's like, I want you to do an animated video for my band. And I was like, okay, you know, so one thing led to another and I did the video. 
how long ago? That was like within what six months a year that you started that. Yeah, I started it actually uh, in the summer, but it was kind of I didn't work on it like every day because it was like we were going to Thailand for the premiere of the film and then the movie premiered here. And, you know, I I did the Fox short and I did, a, a you know, a couple other music videos that were like live action, a lot easier to do. So it was kind of done in the cracks. Um, so did you I draw got, like I, pen and paper or did you use an iPad? Yeah, no, I, I did pen and paper and I scanned it in. I colored it all in Photoshop and stuff. Okay. And, and, edited it on the computer but uh but it was all i drew everything by hand you know so so how many draw like how many sheets drawing jesus there's a big big stack up in my studio (laughs) so i figured it's impressive so uh yeah uh i you know cool i i I hope you guys dig it i I had a lot of fun doing it so i'm like 29 seconds in and i've got to pause so we can have our conversation yeah i I had to watch it muted so that the audio doesn't show up on the podcast but yeah. visually, it's fucking cool. I, I, I have to make a note to watch that in the sword video tomorrow. Nice. Actually, well, the song is them, it's but... a great song. So uh, Charlotte does really, her, her band is very cool. It's like very like 70s, um, you know, kind of psychedelic glam kind of stuff like T-Rex, David Bowie, you know, that kind of stuff. Hmm. Yeah, they're great. So... I'm excited. I, 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 this is probably going to go into my rotation because that is kind of stuff that I like. Shocker. Cool. Well, 70s music, man. It, it's, we always go back to the music from our youth. Yeah. That's true. I listened to a lot of Cold Chamber last week. Uh, a lot of weird memories <laughs> to fucking Cold Chamber. Uh. <laughs> oh, well, you know. Here's the part of the show where Matt reminds me that I'm 100. Well, that was when that was that. It was like one of the first times I went on tour. We were in a we stopped at a gas station. <clears throat> I just remember walking around the corner. I was very tired, and I grabbed a Reese's Big Cup, and I looked at one of the guys in our band, and it just went, Big Cup! And I put it down and walked away. And if you like Cold Chamber, that's funnier than if you've never, ever heard the song Big Truck. I live a simple life. Um, what else do you want to talk about your life? You about like, my life? Yeah, you want to tell us about like growing up, what it was like? I, was... You know, me and my brother, we grew up in the South. I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, you know, uh, and played in bands and, you know, it was just kind of a ne'er-do-well, you know, uh, and got my shit together and, you know. Yeah, no one ever really gets their shit together. Yeah, that's the kind of the thing. It's like if you don't get your shit together, you're not going to get out of the t- little towns and stuff you grow up in. But uh, I managed to escape. So, and it's just you know, it's been a fun ride, man. You know, so music. I went to music school and got all serious about stuff, and came out here to to L.A. to be a composer. And uh, but you know, and then like Forrest Gump my way into making movies. You know, so you just ran really fast. Yeah, pretty much. No, I'm just like, you know. <laughs> what you know, what like, is like, Forrest gumping Gump other than like, running like hell? Well, Forrest just like, he, you know, that's, I, I always liken my career to that because it's like you go to music school, you, you know, like as a kid, I used like I said, I used to draw all the time and my parents were, you know, when I told them I wanted to be a musician, they were like, you're an idiot, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're an artist. You know, it's a kind of a weird position to be like the kid where your parents want you to go to art school instead of music school. You know, it's like, it's like a weird thing, but uh, I just remember uh, my dad sitting around being like, "Are you done yet?" 
Are you going to be an adult <laughs> now? Like, God, fuck, man. He was right, too. Oh, man. Well, my mom said to me once when I was a little kid, she was like, you know, her brother had always had wanted to be a rock star and it never worked out for him and stuff. And she's like, Rich, you'll never make a dime as a musician. You know, so that was just all I had to hear is like, oh, I'm going to be a musician. Now, but, you know, but uh, OK, so I know how it went for me. So at what point were you like, yeah, no, there's no fucking money in this. Well, I mean, the thing is, there's no money in it in a, being in a rock band. But, you know, there's tons of money if you're I mean, if you can get like jobs on sitcoms and video games and stuff. Again, I have to say, so one of my all time favorite shows. Less than perfect. You, you did music for. I love that show. I watched that show obsessively. Wow. You know, yeah, you and I think like seven other people. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it's real popular. Like Zachary yeah. Levi is gonna be Shazam now. He's gonna be in a DC superhero movie, oh, and and he came from that show. You know, it, it had such a great cast. It was I was addicted to that show. Well, I remember when I was first doing sitcoms? Yeah, you'd see these people like Sarah Silverman would just show up on these shows, and you know she'd just be a guest star, and you know you you'd be like, kind of like, oh, that girl's cute and funny, and you know, and now she's like the hugest star ever. But you know. But I, I never really had any contact with those people because I was always working in post, you know. Um, you I, know it's like, I, but it's like you've probably been an earworm in my head, and I never knew it. Oh, yeah. Well, that's possible. Rated. Uh, although, you know, yeah. Cool. Well, I'm happy that somebody <laughs> watched the, some of those shows. I, I mean, we worked on some big shows too, and so like, or shows that were more successful, like Will and Grace and King of Queens and stuff, but. Uh, yeah, but that that's the thing is like every show is somebody's favorite show. Yeah, you know, somebody loved that show. And I'm I'm the guy. I'm the guy who remembers the rerun show, and I'm the guy who, who watched every episode of Less Than Perfect. Rerun show, man. Oh man. Like that that had some really that good was a people fun one to work on though. They 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 like they let you do they, I get to do a lot of weird music on that show. And it was a weird show. <laughs> It was a weird show. It was a weird show. It lasted, I think, about... It was on TV for 30 seconds, but, you know. <laughs> I'm going to have to find this show. It was... The rerun show was, like, a kind of, like... They would take old, the these, like, old sitcoms and kind of make these, like, spoofs of them, you know? Like, they did a version of... It would be, like, a mashup of the Osbournes and Married with Children, you know? Yeah. So, instead of Al Bundy... The Ozzy Osbourne, you know, it's like a very strange show, you know. Yeah, it started out with them actually using the scripts from the shows and just kind of like yeah. every part in the show where you you wouldn't imagine that there was on different strokes there was a double entendre intended. On this, yeah. they would just completely go with it, and yeah. yeah, but it was it was just so much fun, and they would let the the uh, the actors switch up parts like one person would get to play gary coleman one episode and then a different person play him another episode uh one of the people who played mrs garrett i think went on to be on mad tv after that like it it yeah it was you were a lot of than i do to be honest with you (laughs) of course i do that's how my brain works so all i have is the past the rerun show uh premiered on july 31st 2002 and the last Mm -hmm. episode was on august 19th 2002 yeah yeah, it didn't last. Oh, I gotta find this. It's, uh... Yeah, it's probably on you know the dark 
in the dark. Yeah, I'm I'm currently on the dark corners of the internet trying to find trying to obtain it. Yeah, well, you know, keep your keep your uh, keep your expectations low. Oh yeah, but I I'm a big fan of like Tim and Eric. Oh, okay. So well, I feel like it, it sounds like this might be kind of in the same wheelhouse of comedy or... Not, yeah. <laughs> let me rephrase that because um, I don't think anyone does anything like Tim and Eric. But uh, like the weird outlandish shit that most people just don't fucking understand. Well, I mean, it definitely was kind of like one of the... It, w- it was one of those shows where you're like, how did this ever on the air? You know, right, right. I mean, who greenlit this? You know, it, it was... Uh, it was that guy probably show. lost his job when this was on TV. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it it was so long ago. It was just kind of like a fuzzy, vague memory for me at this point. But I reread an article the other day w- about Savage Steve Holland and how oh, he did Better Off Dead and One Crazy Summer, and then couldn't get work because those movies that that should have been huge and were huge on HBO and in video stores, but they they just couldn't be successful. And and you just think, how does Savage Steve Holland? like disappear into obscurity and wind up doing Nickelodeon and Disney shows for the rest of his life. Cause those movies were genius. Eek the cat was a genius cartoon. Yeah. And it, it's like, sometimes it's just that Hollywood doesn't know how to market something or the audience isn't ready yet for that thing. And then years later they go back and like, how did we miss this? Like you get half a season of Firefly. It, it's not because the show wasn't good. It's because the fucking Fox didn't know shit to do with it. How do you really feel, think, Corey? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm totally there with you with the, the Steve Holland stuff. I mean, you know, I, you know, he's, I, I love this sense of humor and he's also an animator. You know, he had all that animation and stuff in those movies. It's just like, like fun, weird off the wall kind of stuff. And, you know, like uh, better off dead half the movie, the kid is trying to kill himself. And you know, yeah, it's like, some grim, funny humor, man. You know, it's just like you don't. I don't know, but yeah. Sometimes these guys just they they remain kind of cult figures. They can't quite get. And there's nothing through. wrong with being a cult figure. No, well, I mean, again, aside well, from Newsweek or People Live by Matt, but but just in general, there's nothing wrong with having a small audience that absolutely loves you over a large yeah. audience who likes your shit for a little while and then completely forgets it the next day. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. I actually think that guys like that tend to have much more longevity, really. I mean, people remember them, you know, uh, uh, because, you know, it, it, the people that it appeals to will love it for forever. You know, you know, they, they'll, you know, whereas, you know, whoever directed, I don't know, like the new Annabelle movie or something might be a good director, but it's probably not is memorable because it's, you know, one in a series of films and the, the style's already codified and stuff. So it's not going to, you're not going to remember it more than any of the other films. Yeah. Or be the guy who directs the middle movie in the new star Wars trilogy. Yeah. And, and like you, you make a great spectacle of a film, but people are just so happy to shit all over it that you're going to always be looked at as a, as a failure because you only made $1.2 billion, but you got beat out a couple weeks later by Jumanji for five weeks straight. It's like, Oh yeah, I'm sure (laughs) sucking it up all this loss. (laughs) It's like, yeah, but you take that same person and you let them do their, their dream project, the thing that they love and you get rid of the interference and you just let them go for it. 
and they probably make something that's that's mind blowing to again a much smaller group of people. But that group of people will be talking about that movie for the next 30 years. Yeah. I would like to point out, since uh, Rich so generously mentioned the new Annabelle movie, the director also directing Shazam. Oh, far out. Yep. Taking it back. I mean, I'm curious, uh, I mean, I, I actually just saw the latest Annabelle movie. I thought it was great. Yeah, I thought it was quite good, yep. actually. It was very well done. Yep. Uh, uh, you, you know... Uh, I resented it a little bit because if it wasn't for the new Annabelle movie, we would have been the number one movie in Thailand when we came out. But uh, well, fuck <laughs> that movie then. It sucks. Yeah, no, it was, <laughs> no. But I just I just now watched it and I thought it was, it was quite well done. And I mean, the the directors obviously are very. It's actually much better than uh, the the one that came before it. I think. I you agree. Know, so, I you agree. know, uh, was he? he uh, he really understood how to sort of build uh, like suspense and tension. That was, was, was good. I just, I think it's super weird. So it's this, uh, I, I just, I sort of pulled that out of my ass cause I just watched it, but it's, you know, it, it is, you know, like the one thing about, I think directing something that's in a franchise like that is that like, you're, I don't think you, you are given the kind of freedom or the opportunity to sort of develop your, to put your own stamp on it. Yeah. You know, um, you don't get to go in your garage and film cut up chicken hearts. So. <laughs> uh, he's he's done like a bunch of horror stuff and then yeah. Shazam. No, that's cool. Which I think is I mean, is a little odd, but yeah, good no, for him. That's cool. Well, I mean, a, a lot of a lot of horror guys get kind of uh, you, you know you get pigeonholed and stuff. You know, I mean, some of us like you know if I got pigeonholed making horror films, I'd be perfectly happy. But you know, <laughs> uh, well, the the guy who who created the conjuring stuff and insidious and and the the saw stuff james wan is doing aquaman over it yeah. for dc so it it's cool if you're a person who who's worked with james wan on his on, on his horse stuff you're like yeah i'll do this annabelle movie for you then james like yeah let me help you get over here and then you get to do shazam <laughs> i mean make that dc money James yeah, Wan that's how- also producing the new Mortal Kombat movie. Wow. Which I'm very excited about because I'm a child. <laughs> and and, know. and you know, I, Mortal Kombat, definitely kids game. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I met George Romero uh, once a long time ago. Uh, some friends of ours had produced uh, one of his last, you know, zombie movies. And, you know, I mean, I was a big fan. I'd seen all his movies when I was a little kid. And, and you know, he said that like, he was saying that, like, you know, it, in his heart, he would love to direct like a movie like Sound of Music or something. But no one will ever. No know, one will allow that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no one will hire him to do that. And he goes, so if I want to make a movie, I have to call him up and be like, hey, I got this idea for a zombie movie. You know, it, yeah. you know, so it was it was, it was a little sad, actually, you know. I actually co-wrote a comic with uh, John A. Russo, who was the co-writer on Night of Living Dead. Yeah, right on. Cool. How it, was it? He doesn't know me from Adam, but oh. <laughs> it was like he 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 knew the the girl who whose comic it was, and uh, it was actually a character that Levi had helped develop with her. So Levi was doing the art, and John had just given him a loose 
plot based thing for the comic to do and he couldn't figure out how to script it so he had me do it so i get a writing credit with a guy who wrote night of living dead which is just crazy to me totally wow that's that's uh that's super cool um but yeah you know i i don't know you know you know i'd be perfectly happy to be pigeonholed as like a horror guy as long as i get to keep working you know (laughs) Yeah, and that's what Russell was saying last week. He's like, he's just excited to to keep getting work. He just, yeah. he, he wants to keep acting. He wants to eat. And, but and I can't think of a genre that to me feels more rewarding than horror. Like, I, and I, I, I understand that there are hardcore sci-fi people and everything, but it just seems like sci-fi, you really have to get it right. There's such a, a rule and order to what people expect out of the sci-fi genre whereas horror can be all over the map and none of it's wrong that is true i mean you know horror the cool thing that i mean about all the genre stuff like horror or or sci-fi or whatever i mean it's like you can kind of tell subversive stories you know like uh you know this uh, again it's like i went to a uh, hear david cronenberg talk one time and, and he was talking about how he likes doing genre stuff because they let you get to tell these stories that you would never get to tell. Otherwise he was talking about making the fly. And he's like, if I were to go into the studio and be like, Hey, I've got this idea for a movie. It's about a scientist and he gets this debilitating disease and his body's just falling apart and he's getting sicker and sicker and becoming demented. And at the end of the film as an act of mercy, his girlfriend shoots him in the head with a shotgun. He goes, they, they would just throw me across sunset Boulevard, you know, <laughs> Because, but if I start off by saying, I got this idea for a horror movie about a guy that turns into a fly, you know, and then they're like, oh, yeah, tell me more, you know. So, well, how far is that first one from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Well, I don't know, you know, but that was the, like the, the late 60s and the 70s. That's when everybody got to make cool movies, man. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, but Cronenberg's another great example of it. he's a guy who who makes all this great stuff and everything and could just be content doing that, but then also shows up in other people's stuff just to be that that creepy scientist guy in Jason X or in Nightbreed and and it's like how fucking cool is that? You know that you but that you're into it so much that you want to be in other people's things. That don't even have to do with your own work and and you just want to be a part of it. Hey man, he's a hero. <laughs> yeah. Or it's like Carpenter. Carpenter could live the rest of his days just being the guy who made Halloween uh, and any of the number of films that he's done, but how much he's put into music and stuff. And and that's this whole other level of people loving him because we've listened to his music for, for decades, but then you hear it and you hear the new stuff now and it just kind of brings you all back, even though it's new things. Yeah. And and it's like a brand new career, even though it's been part of his career the whole time. Totally. I mean, it, you know, even though like sort of narratively Ghost House probably doesn't resemble John Carpenter very much. The stylistically, there were a lot of things we did that were very much influenced by him. I mean, even down to our like uh, choice of lenses and stuff. I mean, we use these anamorphic lenses that like 70s anamorphic lenses to get that kind of look. And in some of the music I wrote, intentionally wrote to kind of be evocative of John Carpenter, you know, so, you know, like this, the scene where Russell is driving 
James and Scout out to the ghost house graveyard and stuff. I just wanted to, I was like, we're going to give this, make this a real carpenter moment, you know? I want to watch it again to so. listen to it more mm-hmm. because the first time through I'm watching it and I'm trying to understand the story and, yeah. and see everything you, you need a couple sure. of times through uh, to, to get your different senses kind of aligned on something. Yeah. Well, I can send you, you know how I sent you guys that clip uh, about the making of the effects. I, I have one also about the music that I'll send you. We haven't actually made it public yet. It was, it was uh, a, a value added thing. If you bought it on iTunes or something, you know, they didn't want to bother putting it on the DVD for some reason, but so if you bought the movie on iTunes, you got to uh, you got to see these little video clips. But we're slowly nice. sort of releasing them to the world, you know. So <laughs> I'll, send, I'll send it to you guys. You guys will get a little advanced peek. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, speaking of the movie again, so Jim is not a very sympathetic character. You know, yeah. he's kind of both the he's supposed to be the kind of hero of the movie. Uh, but while he's the protagonist, it he's not someone that you can just like uh, because he does so many dickish things. And then even when he's he's in the midst of being heroic, he just doesn't go far enough in, in his yeah. in his love for his fiance. Like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll make this sacrifice and everything. It's like, can't we like he, he just kind of tries to talk his way out of it. But aren't we good enough right now? Isn't, isn't this far enough? Um, was that intentional? Or was that was that just kind of how the character developed? Well, I mean, it, it was intentional uh, in a way. I mean, it, again, it's kind of like gets back to the 70s. I mean, there are a lot of these guys and like the protagonists in the 70s films are sort of. They're, they're not the like sort of typical Hollywood, just like, you know, generic, like good guy, boyfriend kind of thing. I mean, it, you know, and like we caught a little flack from it. Maybe it was the wrong idea, but we wanted to have this arc where it's like this guy is basically, you know, a guy, guy. He's not really the you know, he's not the like doting perfect boyfriend kind of thing, uh, you know, and he has to, you know sort of grow up and become a man you know and like like ultimately do the right thing you know so uh you know i don't know and i don't know if that reads or not i mean that was definitely the intention you know was to to kind of give him an arc you know so he doesn't start off he starts off being basically like irresponsible and you know uh and we had some other character stuff early in the film that we had to cut out sort of for time that i think would have fleshed that out a little more but it was you know we just it was just too much. We wanted to get to the ghost and the scary stuff. And, and, uh, but you know, it is interesting. I mean, he's not, you know, and like originally we cast a different actor to play that part who I think would have played it a little, a little more sort of, um, uh, sort of broadly, a little more cartoony, you know, I think might've taken some of that edge off, but, and James is very intense and very method. So, we kind of went with that and, and, uh, you know, I don't know. So I don't know. I don't know if you arc or not. I mean, that was definitely meant to be. So when he finally does the thing, no spoilers or whatever that, you know, to save his girlfriend, it would feel like he's finally been kind of heroic, but. See, to me, it felt like he was like, fine, I'll fucking do it. (laughs) Like if it were me and it was like, that's all I have to do. Yeah. Yeah. Sign me up. 
but 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 that's that's the thing is you're you're a long time married i'm long time married you know there there is nothing i wouldn't do i feel like i would wife. i feel like i would be more likely to do that before we were married uh, yeah maybe do you know what i mean though it's like i still have to try now we're married it's like whatever <laughs> it's like <laughs> there's uh, paperwork involved believe me like uh, how much are we paid up with state farm <laughs> like <laughs> Our thought also was like, you know, if somebody tells you you got to do this thing, you know, like basically mutilate yourself, uh, you know, and you, you, maybe you don't still 100% believe any of this stuff. You're not sure right. any yeah. stuff is true or not. That's that. kind of the idea is that like, you know, uh, you, you know, I don't know. For me personally, because I draw and play guitar and all this stuff, it would be very difficult. <laughs> See, it is, it is a sacrifice. As a drummer, yeah. I'm worried about my legs. Like what happens well, if I go. fucking break my femur or some shit? So, but losing so, a finger that wouldn't be that. Yeah. Totally. So maybe, uh, maybe I, uh, you know, maybe that came from a personal place. With my brother and I are both musicians. We both play guitar. But that so, makes so. that makes perfect sense, though. Hearing that yeah. as the explanation for it. Uh, but you know, so that that was our that that was our intention. You know, hopefully it it reads. I don't know. You know, the, there are a couple of things in the film that. We we I, I wish read a little better, but I mean, all in all, though, I'm very proud of the movie. I mean, I, I feel like we did uh, you know as good a job as we could. You know, no, you absolutely you absolutely should be, and and it I think it does read well because it makes him not perfect. Yeah, you know that I I don't want to see the the perfect people up on screen. Not all the time, you know. There's no. something for for uh, showing heroism, uh, and in the kind of movie that you're going for that it would make sense in this movie yeah i mean the whole thing starts out because she's already having a fight with him about the way that he's acting yeah. you know and she's giving him everything and he's kind of just treating her not horribly but like kind of an afterthought compared to what he wants to do or his fun or his needs and you're you're right the arc for him is going through this and putting her ahead of him finally at the end to to get to that point of like is she more important than what i feel or what i need yeah well and we tried to sort of do it progressively so he's got to like sort of slowly man up and also you know like he doesn't take the opportunity to to do the same thing to other people that like you know robert yeah. and rich had done to him uh and so you know it, it's this kind of progression you know you see that you know and and that, our idea is that maybe that's also partly Gogo's influence on him and stuff. You know, you see, he's like, he's getting ready to take him out to the countryside and he gets a kind of look at Gogo and he just sort of realizes he's doing the wrong thing. And then, you know, from there, it, then he's got to be more proactive. He goes and, you know, has to do a couple of things that are less than legal and then go and basically kidnap Reno. I'll just tell everybody the whole movie here, but you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, and you know, so that it's a progression, you know, that is, it's an arc. It's not just like he's, you know, like a lot of times in movies, the protagonist almost always seems, it's just like for them, it, it just like, they'll always do the right thing. It's just figuring out what the right thing is. Whereas in our movie, you know, there's maybe a little ambivalence at first, you know, I don't know. That was the intention, at least, you know, we tried. Yeah, no, I, I think you, I think you nailed it. Okay. Absolutely. It, but that's, that's the thing is it, 
we're not trying to pick it apart. We're just trying no, to no, get please. what I your mean, thought process was in making the the movie and and writing these characters and stuff, coming totally. up with the story. Oh yeah, no, no. I mean, well, look. I mean, I've had this discussion with like the guy that edited my film. I mean, he and I are very good friends, but we basically almost beat the shit out of each other daily having these kind of arguments or like the discussions about the film and sort of, you know, how much to play into this or play, you know, you shape performances and stuff, you know? So I'm used to these conversations and, you know, uh, uh, I, uh, I mean, I enjoy it. So, you know, and like I said, I think the film turned out well, so I don't regret anything, but you know, there's definitely a lot of character stuff that, uh, it's not quite the way that uh, most like Hollywood movies would do it, I guess, you know, it it may uh, have a deleterious effect on how people experience our movie. If they're expecting that kind of thing, they may not like the movie. I don't know, just try to do something a little different, but still keep it in this context. It's not this just like, you know, like, uh, like, weirdo art film or something i mean we wanted to make it very accessible and commercial but at the same time you know just try some different things and you know that was one yeah it was i thought it was a really fucking good movie so thank <laughs> you again for making it um well, thanks for watching it i know i we really appreciate it actually we really appreciate all the support we worked hard on it and we're a little movie so any time any way we can get the word out is it, it's good yes know? well rich Thanks again for coming. It was it was an hey, man, honor to have you. I really uh, appreciate it. Yeah, you can watch Ghost House on Netflix, and you can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966. You can email us at potedgeandcast.com, or you can leave a message on our website. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Podcast of Terror. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any of your favorite podcatchers. All subscription links and options can be found at gncast.com slash subscribe. And you can follow the entire network on Facebook under the Galactic Network. Uh, Rich, where can people find you, everything you're doing, everything you're going to be doing? Well, you can follow, we would, you know, you want to check in on all the latest Ghost House news. We have a Ghost House Facebook page, obviously. And, and uh, you can, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, you know, Rich Ragsdale on both of those. So, you know, look me up, hit me up. Awesome. Uh, if if you like Ghost House, you know, let us know. If, if you, you don't, it, keep your keep mouth shut. Yourself. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen Ghost House yet, uh, it is available through Netflix. Otherwise, you can also get it through Amazon Video. If you go through our link, if you go to amazon.podcastofterror.com, that helps out the show a little bit. But also, sounds like it might be a reason to go to iTunes if you have that as one of your options, uh, because you might get some extra stuff there. That's yeah, true. There's a three like kind of behind the scenes videos that one with designing the ghost one with the sequence that you saw with the ghost house the you know building the world and uh and then one about the music so fuck yeah Corey, where can people (laughs) find you uh you can find me watching reruns of the rerun show (laughs) oh so just Uh, wasting away uh, or else you can go look at the comics that uh, I help write with my friend Levi Krauss and all the other stuff that he has been publishing. Go to donutscomics.com. And if you're interested in my wife's artwork, as we were talking about earlier, you can go to arthag.com or look her up on Instagram, hag underscore attack, and see a lot of penises. 
<laughs> awesome. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Matt the Lifeguard. Uh, next week we're going to be doing the incantation with Jude Waco. That's another fun of wrestles. Eventually we're going to run out of Russell's friends. <laughs> then I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to do at that point. We'll figure it out. Uh, but thank you very much for listening to another episode of the podcast here, and we will talk to you guys next week. Stay scary, everybody. <laughs>